Thanks to LinkedIn for supporting this episode of Market Foolery. LinkedIn Jobs uses knowledge of both hard and soft skills to match you with the people who fit your role the best. Post a job today at linkedin.com slash fool and get $50 off your first job post. It's Wednesday, August 14th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. And as I say from time to time, I'm the only one who's paid to be in this studio. The analysts are not paid to be in this studio. So when an analyst says, sure, I can come on Market Foolery, and then, I don't know, 90 minutes before the show, the analyst says, ah, something's come up. I, you know, I have no recourse because they're not paid to be here. So joining me in studio today, Jason Moser. Well, you have a little bit of recourse, and that is just in the form of the diatribe that no, we were all just made no, privy to. Just, you know, no, just reminding, just reminding folks. If people are like, "Why is Jason on for two days in a row?" That's why, because Jason is the ultimate relief man. Well, I like that. I mean, I'll take that role. I've been, I thankfully involved with market foolery from the start, and so for me. Maybe I feel like I have elevated myself to the level where I am paid to be in here because I just enjoy doing it and talking with you. You could turn the microphones off and we could sit here and talk socks for an hour. I'd still be fine with it. Uh, but hey, you know, it is what it is, and, and I'm thrilled to be here for another day. We can't be in here for an hour, and I will share why <laughs> later in the show. Uh, but uh, we're going to get our first look at an upcoming IPO. We've got a newly public company in China that's issued their first public uh, quarterly report. Um, we're going to start with retail, though. Macy's second quarter was what? Is disaster a too strong a word? Because Macy's profits were much lower than expected. They cut guidance, and the stock is down 15% this morning. Yeah. I mean, I don't think disaster is too strong because I think management has the opportunity to get out in front of this stuff before it really does happen. I think they just set inappropriate expectations and, and, um, it feels to me like it, it does feel like with Macy's, you're never surprised when you see this, right? When you see the miss and or the guide down and the stock reacting this way. And I, I mean, I'm not the ultimate Macy's skeptic. I just feel like I'm not surprised when this happens. When the guide up and the stock pops on news, that's surprising. And perhaps that's just the that's probably just where we are with the 21st century real real uh, retail environment. But um. I mean, when you look back over one, three, five years, I mean, this has just not been a good stock to own. And there are a lot of good reasons why. I mean, the top line is down a total of 11% since 2015, so they're not growing. Net income is down 33% since then. Earnings per share down 22% since then. They've burned through a considerable amount of cash along the way. And actually, if you look at their balance sheet, their cash and equivalents is down 70% from 2015. Now, thankfully, that's not being blown on a lot of share repurchases, but they're yielding 7.8% now. And that that's not really where they want to be. That's kind of in that in that territory of potentially unsustainable um, if business stays the way it's going. So I mean, there are a lot of challenges they're facing. They made reference to China in the release, but it's not like they pointed out China as the reason for the guide down either. In fact, they made the point that the revised guidance does not reflect potential uh, problems from the, the trade dispute with China. So, I mean, there are a lot of reasons right now to be down on the stock for sure. You look even further back than five years with Macy's. You look basically from 2008 to 2015, and the stock is just a steady march higher. And one of the things we talked about on the show at the time was just 
what a great job Macy's was doing back then in terms of revenue per square foot. Mm-hmm. They managed their store footprint so well. You never heard anyone talk about Macy's. They have too many stores. They need to close underperforming stores. They did such a good job there. And now that we have the benefit of what happened after 2015, I'm wondering if, in some ways, that lulled management into this false sense of security. We don't need to invest in Macy's.com. We don't need to really build up our e-commerce channel, because look at what a good job we're doing with the physical stores. Because they were doing a good job with the physical stores. And it's in some ways, it's the opposite of what we saw with Target and Walmart, where they did decide to heavily invest in e-commerce, and those numbers are trending higher. Um, I mean, yeah, I do think there probably is a good chance that they felt like they really solved the biggest problem in in physical store and foot traffic, and in managing that well. Uh, just sort of took their eyes off the ball, particularly I think from a from an inventory perspective. I mean, we're seeing time and time again they 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 are having just challenges regarding inventory because either they're missing something on a fashion side or they're you know not coming up with lines that are really as compelling for consumers when they make changes in the seasons. I mean, retail is hard. I mean, we talk about that all the time. It's really difficult. And I mean, I I do want to give them credit where credits due because I mean, their digital business it posted its 40th consecutive quarter of double digit growth um, so you know that's what 10 years I guess when you think about it I mean their footprint digitally speaking is bigger mobile remains the fastest growing channel and that's fine but to your point really that doesn't surprise me it should be we knew what these challenges were a long time ago and we would have dinged them even harder if these results weren't that uh, weren't that good and so while they're good it's hey listen it's not enough um, and again when you go back to retail it is really about managing your inventory and making sure you're just putting stuff out there that people want to buy and you know it all makes me kind of think back to when you look at the one and the three and the five year charts of this stock and while it's not been a good one to own there have been points where buying it along the way might have made sense. I mean, when it comes to these retailers, you start thinking, all right, is is this an opportunity? Is this something I should be looking at? I mean, is it a value play or is it a value trap? And I actually do think with Macy's, I don't think we're at a point where they're like the next JCPenney. I think they possess the brand power and the know-how and the ability to weather this kind of storm. So, you know, I do start think I do think maybe there is the possibility here with the catalyst of a positive holiday season and getting that inventory back in shape there, maybe there is a value opportunity here. You read my mind because the stock is close to a 9-year low and the next two quarterly reports from Macy's are going to include the two most important seasons for a major retailer and that is back to school and Christmas. Well, I don't want to toot our own horn, but that's what makes us so good, Chris. Reading minds, we've been doing this together for so long. Let's move on to Luckin Coffee, which released its first quarterly report as a public company. Uh, Luckin is the coffee startup in China that went public back in May. They lost more money than expected. The stock is down 15%. I, I feel like this report from Luckin Coffee is essentially a Rorschach test for <laughs> for investors. Like, I feel like there's stuff in here for bears and there's stuff in here for bulls. There is um, my my first inclination in 
seeing that they reported was not to go to their release, but rather to go to Starbucks's release and earnings call uh, from earlier. And, and, and I mean, that is really the benchmark, right? I mean, I like to say that investing is as easy or as difficult as you want to make it. And so, for me, Starbucks is investing easy. Luckin is probably going to be investing really, really difficult. And that's not really a ding necessarily on Luckin. Um, it just is that Starbucks is in a really good position when it comes to coffee in China. And I mean, I'm going to give you an over under here. I want you to give me your bet here. Starbucks's mention of the word China on their most recent earnings call, I'm going to give you an over under number of 50. You going over or under? 50? Yeah. I'm going to go under. Okay. It was 63. And, and that to me is just one of those same, you know, when you're looking at Luckin, I mean, that is a China play. That's China coffee. That's what it is. And that's the why, that's, that's why I went to that Starbucks call to look at that because, you know, you're looking at language management's using with Starbucks that China performed extremely well for the quarter. Store count was up 16% to almost 4,000, which is more stores than Luckin has. Starbucks has 9.1 million active rewards members in China alone, up 36% from a year ago. And they have a relationship with Alibaba that's now bringing a digital relationship to consumers in China. And the reason why I kicked this all out about Starbucks is because ultimately these are the hurdles that Luckin is going to have to clear if it's going to be a compelling investment for people looking maybe for pure China exposure or for someone to really take on Starbucks in China. I'm not saying they can't do it. I mean, let's give them some credit here where credit's due. Average monthly transacting customers in the quarter for Luckin were 6.2 million. And that was up 410% from the second quarter of 2018. So they are doing the right things in generating traffic and selling stuff, but they have a really, really strong competitor there in Starbucks. And I just, to me, I don't see any reason why you would want to invest in Luckin when you could just invest in Starbucks. I think part of the bull case is you look at how quickly this company has grown. You yeah. look at the fact that Luckin has nearly 3,000 stores in China. And they basically started two years ago. Happened really fast. And Starbucks has been there for longer and has somewhere in the neighborhood of 4,000 stores. So I, I think part of the bull case is well, certainly the stock is on sale 15% today, but also that, that growth story. I think if you're, if you're comfortable. Uh, waiting a little bit, then I think Luck and Coffee looks uh, more attractive to you. I do think, however, that one thing that's going to be interesting to watch with Luckin is not just what do their numbers look like in the next quarterly report and the one after that, but also does it look like they are learning from their mistakes? You yeah. can look at this most recent quarter and say, okay, the downside to heavy discounting. Is it's going to hurt your margins? You know, the upside is well, we're just trying to get people in the stores, and this is a legally addictive product. And if they can get people, you know, this is this is one of those strategies that a year and a half from now, they may be putting up some really strong comp numbers. Um, but I, I, that's the thing I will be watching with Luckin is, are they making the same mistakes? Uh, in the next couple of quarterly reports, and and what does management say about them? I think that's a really good point, and in mainly, I think it's because Luckin is doing so much so quickly. They're growing so fast 
They're making big investments. I mean, things are happening very quickly, and that's resulting in these really impressive growth numbers. And you're right. I mean, you're going to invest in this company because you think that growth is there. Um, and what'll be difficult really is, to your point, looking for those mistakes. They may not even have the opportunity to try to assess those mistakes until well after they've made all of these massive investments in this fast growth. I mean, that's kind of one of the prices you pay. It looks great in the short run, but but was it something that will reflect in longer term sustainability? And that that question is you know yet to be answered. Luckin is doing a lot of growing, which means they're doing a lot of hiring. And speaking of hiring, it's not as simple as putting an ad in the paper or posting to a job board. When you're juggling hiring with everything it takes to grow your business, it's important that you reach the right candidates at the right time, and that's where LinkedIn comes in. Over 600 million members visit LinkedIn to make connections, learn and grow as professionals, and discover new job opportunities. And that's how LinkedIn makes sure your job post gets in front of people with the right hard skills and the right soft skills to meet your role requirements. Talking about things like collaboration, adaptability, work ethic. LinkedIn does the legwork to match you with the most qualified candidates so you can focus on hiring the person who will transform your business. To get $50 off your first job post, just go to linkedin.com slash fool. That's linkedin.com slash fool for $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. You know who else is doing a lot of hiring is WeWork. Just a little bit. And WeWork is going public. Uh, the S1 filing is now available for all to see. Uh, WeWork is looking to go public as early as next month. And for those unfamiliar, WeWork with, I, I believe they have actually formally changed the name of their company from WeWork to We Company. Yeah. Um, this is sort of the shared working space business. Uh, I would say, from a brand standpoint, they're probably the leader in that regard. I think so. Um, but they're getting a lot of attention today because. Holy cow! Are they racking up losses? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're not going to do a deep dive into every reason why you should or should not invest in this company. I mean, this is kind of a cursory glance at, at where things stand, and I mean, there is a lot of good and there is some bad. I mean, I I try to stay open minded when I see any of these companies, but really, I mean, the first, this you know, a lot of investing is just about spotting BS from a mile away, and I feel like they just stuck it right out there in the first couple of sentences. Of the S1, when they say, quote, we are a community company committed to maximum global impact. Our mission is to elevate the world's consciousness, end quote. I don't know, man. Maybe they're just taking themselves a little bit too seriously. Or maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not thinking big picture enough about it. But I mean, they basically pioneered this space as a service membership model. So why don't you make your your mission sort of central to that? Um, they do. They they are losing a lot of money. I mean, when you when you look at the numbers, it is pretty astounding. I mean, in 2018, they brought in 1.8 billion dollars in revenue. They spent three and a half billion dollars to make that. So there's an operating loss there of 1.7 billion dollars in total. I mean, real estate is just expensive business. We know that. That's nothing new. Um, when you look at how they make money, I mean, they monetize their platform through selling memberships, providing value-added products through those memberships and services, um, and they're they're essentially trying to leverage that platform beyond just work. And it kind of goes back to what we talked about with Lyft and Uber. It's really about figuring out what you're going to do with that network. And I think that We has done a good job in building a good brand and a potentially very valuable network that they could do a lot of things with. 
But we've already seen a number of examples earlier this year. Like there is no reason in the world why you should feel compelled as an investor to jump in on this IPO. I mean, I, I just don't see any reason in the world why you wouldn't just say, "Hey, you know what? I'm going to watch this play out and see what you know what these guys do," because there are enough questions out there. But what? About the fact that their mission is to elevate the world's consciousness. I mean, that's a very <laughs> admirable quality. But you know what? The Should... first thing that made me think of, in all honesty, the first thing that came to my mind. Any marijuana company? Well, that too. But and this probably goes hand in hand with that was Elevation Burger, like that restaurant here, Elevation Burger. They're basically they're trying to offer you burgers with better ingredients. They're elevating our consciousness. I get through that. I don't know, but. I mean, you know, listen, they have three share classes. Okay. This is going to list the class A shares, but they've got class C, a class B and C. It's 20 votes per share in those B and C shares versus the one that you get for A. So this is, you know, what the deal is going in there. And I think there are some questions regarding leadership. I think that uh, Newman, he's, he's apparently borrowed a lot of money against uh, some of his holdings in this business. Um, they're essentially trying to take the challenge of a, High fixed cost in business that you would pay for real estate, and you know, take that fixed cost away from you. Say that you you pay as you go, you pay for what you need, and you don't have to worry about paying for all the space if you're not using it. And that's cool. I like that. But you know, the flip side is that well, they're taking on that challenge. They're going to be paying that high fixed cost, and that's the business. They're going to be leasing a lot of real estate, and they're going to have to find new real estate to lease. And when you go to those really big commercial markets, that real estate gets very expensive. Um, so you know, it's going to be a matter of how they can grow those memberships, how they can leverage that platform, and ultimately uh, trying to figure out if the stock price does make any sense. But my suspicion is it will go public. The stock price will not make any sense, and. Um, you know, we'll we'll see it pull back to some semblance of reality until they can prove themselves. We're not doing a deep dive on WeWork's S one, but our friend and colleague Dylan Lewis will be doing a deep yes. dive on this Friday's industry focus. Yeah, so check that out. Um, you and I have to head to another studio because we're doing uh, YouTube Live this afternoon. You, me, Seth, Jason. Yeah, we're going to be talking about a couple of industries with tremendous growth potential: AI and augmented reality. Uh, so, for anyone interested, uh, by the time you hear this, we'll have done the YouTube live, I and it will, so, be, it yeah. will be posted on the Motley Fool's YouTube channel, which is free to subscribe to. So, check that out. Uh, looking forward to it. This is gonna be a lot of fun. Thanks for being here, man. You I got appreciate it. it. Thanks for having me. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's gonna do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. 